are Steel Magnolias, two sisters who love family, traditions, and all things Southern. We've got plenty of room at our table, so pull up a chair. Well, Lainey, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, but it's not beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. That is the truth. Here in the South, that is. Yeah. It's a balmy uh, 69 degrees. Is that right? That's what my car said on the drive home. Here in the Nashville, Tennessee area. So the tree lighting for our city is uh, this evening and um, should be an interesting. I know. (laughs) I have a, I was planning on making my hot cranberry drink. Well, it's not even, it's my mom's and it actually was Patty Whitehurst before that. Okay. Making that hot drink for us to take to stand out at the tree lighting. I've had many tree lightings where my toes were numb. I was so cold standing out there. So I thought I needed a hot drink to to take with me. And turns out the sweet tea may have been the better choice on <laughs> this day. But you're still going to make it, right? I'm still making so it. So press on. That's, that's right. That's how every... Uh, the smells will be in the house, the cloves, the cinnamon. That's so good. Yeah. Well, we... Um, We'll, we'll look forward to that later. But for now, we did choose to have something a little bit cooler. You have made something lovely here. We're having a little batch of Cheerwine Punch here today uh, mm. as we record our podcast. And it is wonderful. It's it, very simple to make. It's only got three ingredients. Cheerwine's out of North Carolina. So uh, you can get it at the grocery store here. I'm sure you can get it at um, other stores and um, different places. But... It's got uh, cheer wine, pineapple juice. It actually calls for unsweetened pineapple juice. Okay. And mine was just regular pineapple juice. Okay. So that's making a difference probably. And then some ginger ale. So you were commenting a minute ago, even before we uh, officially began, you thought it was pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet. Now I want to start with this color. It's It's beautiful for Christmas. It's beautiful. It's a cherry Mm -hmm. soda. So it's got this pretty red color to it. And... Um, yeah, it's really lovely. Uh, it is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I like it because yeah. I like sweet. I was thinking you might want to, you know, if, if somebody wanted it not quite so sweet, maybe heavier on the ginger ale less. True. Uh-huh. And I mean, an unsweetened pineapple juice That's would right. make a big difference because I'm tasting a lot of the pineapple I am too. right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a very festive color. Um, the actual recipe, which we'll put up on the website, also calls for you to make an ice ring. Oh, those are so pretty. So you, you can do this in a bunt pan, um, or I'm sure there's other contraptions that maybe are even more official to make an ice ring, but I've done it before in a bunt pan. And so you can put like any sort of fruit. Yeah, a lot of times I'll do cranberries, orange or lemon slices Yeah, are really pretty to do. Um, put those down at the bottom of your bunt pan. Pineapple slices obviously would make yeah, that would sense for this one since it's got a pineapple flavor too. Um, and then you, you can either put water or you could actually, for this recipe, you could put your wine. Oh, so as it melts, it's going to have the same flavor. Yeah. And then you just freeze it overnight. And then, you know, in a big, large punch bowl, it just brings even more festivity. So I, you know, I wanted to talk about punch a little bit today because I think it's not a party without punch. Yeah, so festive. It can be a gathering of sorts. You know, you can have people over maybe to watch a football game at your house or, you know, to do something else. But... If you've got a signature drink, and in this case, you know, this isn't even an alcoholic drink. Punches can be non-alcoholic or alcoholic. Um, But if you've got, you know, sort of a signature drink, a 
cocktail or a mocktail, if you will, yeah. um, for the occasion, it just brings up a fun the festivities, spirit, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if, if I'm at wedding receptions or different events where they've created a drink just for that event, whether I'm in the mood for tea or soda, I'm going to try the signature. Yeah. Uh, punch or, or cocktail because you know where you I know. you're not going to get it again so or you'll have to recreate it on your own so yeah um, yeah so I think punches just bring a different sort of level of festivity and they're just pretty yeah they, they make yeah. for a nice uh, even centerpiece it's um, wonderful too because you're not standing there having each person having to mix a drink for each person exactly <laughs> yes yeah as a host it's presenting it as a self-serve option, you know, um, I don't actually even have a punch bowl. I don't don't have the space to store a punch bowl or all of the glasses that would normally accompany it and the ladle ladle, and everything. Um, I have a, like just a drink dispenser that is actually an oversized Mm -hmm. Mason jar. Um, so I sometimes miss out on doing things like, you know, pretty ice ring or displaying more of a garnish. Sometimes you can do it in a drink dispenser, but it doesn't come through quite you as nice. You can't even do ice cube trays and there's all different shapes. I did do that one year. Where you're doing that for a cocktail. Now, it's not going to have quite the beauty of this ring like you're talking yeah. about. But. Well, I froze cranberries in, I have a, just a six, uh, I think it's six cubes that's like a rubber tray that okay. would be more, I guess, for cocktails. Yeah, but I put a few. Cubes. Yeah, they're just yeah, yeah. large cubes. Um, so I put cranberries and water in that and froze it. And that's that was fun. fun. Yeah. Because I didn't just have it prettier. an ice ring. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we're having cheer wine punch today. We had St. Cecilia punch last week. Um, we had a couple of people request um, yeah. to try that or to make that at home. So. Um, we wanted to talk punches, and I I actually found a couple that are just sort of predominantly, I guess, in the South um, that I was going to mention. One is, I think the name is hilarious, Powerful Punch. Okay. So it's, I don't know, almost a play on words there. Like, it's a powerful punch. You know, yeah, it's yeah. got a punch to it. And like we said earlier, you know, punches don't even have to have alcohol. This right. one does. Some of them um, have a lot of alcohol, that's by the true. way. Yeah, I've got one later that we'll mention, um, that reminds me of a moment of, you know, that's too much, but, <laughs> um, it, the powerful punch has Benedictine, which isn't that what we looked at last yes, week, not on the podcast, yes, but yes. Lainey and I looked at a bottle got of some of that, of that grenadine, frozen pink lemonade, Ooh. orange juice, unsweetened pineapple juice. So again, there's the pineapple. And then you top it off with champagne. Fun. Um, which it seems like a lot of punches top with. Uh-huh. You, you got to top with something that, fizz. that fizzes. Yeah. yeah. So whether that be ginger ale or champagne. Um, so that's powerful punch. Fun. And then um, I've heard of a wedding punch. Okay. Um, that's popular with bourbon. Okay. So you would use. I like it already. <laughs> <laughs> you, could use vo- you could use vodka, but um, this would be bourbon, white port. Um, frozen lemonade and then, um, bottled soda water. Okay. So that would kind of give it the fizz. So that one sounds pretty good too. I think I would, um, just kind of weigh the options in terms of whatever celebratory yeah. event I was and creating And punches for. can be made around, like you said, they can be non-alcoholic, but there's punches that are all different 
kinds of alcohol. Many are rum-based, but you can have vodka punches, bourbon punches, gin-based punches. Yeah. Yeah. This cheer wine punch, even though it looks Christmassy, I mean, you could do this for a birthday party. Absolutely. This doesn't, it doesn't have to be just Christmas. It just looks good in the season. Um, So the other punch I was going to mention when we said there are some that are too strong. Um, Remember Hooch? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So college memories flood my brain when you say the word Hooch. Was Hooch typically in like a large... Like rubber trash can in college, it was. I think that was also partially because that was a cheap way to make a lot of alcohol. You know, like yeah. make it go far. Yeah, I think they were. I have a lot of memories of red hooch. I don't know if they see. Were I couldn't red, remember what all went into it. I might have to look up what goes into hooch. And um, I don't know that we ever need to make it again. No, but. we don't. <laughs> but this, that's my example of a, a punch or a concoction that's just. Concoction's a good word. Too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's... Let's. Uh, I feel like those would have been like just pure grain alcohol, cheap based. Yeah. But anyway. Well, we... Um, yeah, we don't We don't even need to go into that. But <laughs> Punches are fun though. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the whole point here is if you want to take your party up to another level. Yeah. Make a signature make drink kind of or a make, a, drink. make a punch. Yeah. So, all right. So I watched a great documentary this week. Really? What was it? It wasn't a new one, but it was new to me. It's called Muscle Shoals. Wait, wait, wait. As in... Okay, yes, That's I think right. I'm very familiar right. with this Muscle Shoals, but I have not seen the movie, so tell me tell me a little bit about it. Okay, unbelievable. Like, definitely must see if you're into any kind of music. I think you'll really enjoy this. Hearing about this studio in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, really close to Florence, there was this studio called Fame Studios. Fame stood for... Florence, Alabama Music Enterprise. It was founded by Rick Hall. Never knew it stood for that. I just thought it was famous and seeking fame. So Rick Hall, Billy Sherrill, and Tom Stafford in the late 50s start this little studio. And by the mid-60s, it was a destination for artists like Percy Sledge, Wilson Pickett, Otis Redding, the Rolling Stones. The names that recorded at this studio absolutely blew me away. And it's probably tiny, right? Oh, yeah. And in, you know... The middle of nowhere, right. considering, yeah, you know, off the beaten path, LA, for sure. Nashville, yeah. New York, where all this hot stuff is happening. So um, Aretha Franklin in this in this movie even credits this Rick Hall with the turn in her career that literally, literally led her to becoming the Queen of Soul. Wow, uh, it was That's just amazing. Yes, and despite, I mean, we're talking about mid sixties, so racial strife is hot. Yeah. Yeah, And in this studio, it was so fascinating to me. It did not seem to be that race was an issue at all. Wow. That's huge. Musicians in Alabama. in Alabama. And it was just beautiful. I mean, I've known for a long time, just in my own experiences, how music unifies people. Right. But it was really testimonial of that to me, just seeing these... Um, artists working together and bringing out the best in each other. That's it amazing. Was amazing. Did they just, they were interviewing different artists that had All recorded different there? All artists there. Um, Keith Richards, uh, the Stones, 
recorded several hits there. Okay. Keith Richards said it was the kind of a um, place where it just was the perfect sound. It was the sound you had been going for all along. Wow. Hence, this is why there's this, it becomes this destination. But one thing that was really cool about it was these session musicians that they had okay. that worked there. They became known as Muscle Shoals Horns, Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, nicknamed the Swampers. Um, <laughs> these session musicians were just... You know, so good. And again, were they out, from the area? Like, where did they get them? Did oh, good it, or, question. They, they may have gone into that. into that. I don't remember okay. that per se. Okay. Um, but one other, I mean, this was just so amazing to me. Uh, Dwayne Allman once pitched a tent and camped out in the parking lot of this studio just to be near the recording sessions that were happening Stop. there. He uh, befriended. This Rick Hall and Wilson Pickett, he actually taught Wilson Pickett the song Hey Jude, Mm-mm. and they recorded it together in 1968. This starts kind of putting Allman, you know, okay. in some people's sight. Yeah. And um, Allman, Dwayne Allman learned to play that this slide guitar. Okay. Um, and that became a very signature sound. What was really interesting was this Rick Hall said that he... Dwayne learning this slide guitar, playing with Pickett, this kind of thing. He said that was where Southern Rock was born. Okay. Well, I mean, a lot of people, if you say Southern Rock, Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner, those, those are the, the sound. Yeah. That's yeah. what they're going to immediately think about. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just really fascinating. I highly recommend seeing this. Um, but yeah, Dwayne Allman went on to record for many artists there, Clarence Carter, Aretha Franklin, Wilson Pickett, Percy Sledge, Boss Gags. So he's just a player yeah. on, on a lot of these. And But out of that, he becomes friends with a drummer, J-Mo Johansson, I think is how you say the name. Okay. Um, Dwayne, at, at this point, was living in this secluded lake cabin in Muscle Shoals. He would get this drummer to come over. They would jam together. They start kind of dreaming of working together, pull in a couple of other people that um, that this drummer was already playing with, Barry Oakley and Dickie Betts. Anyway, all this um, jamming together, playing yeah. together, is uh, how Almond Brothers came to be. So was this J-Mo guy in... Almond Brothers? Drummer of the Almond Brothers. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, really fascinating how all of this came about. Um, So I just wanted us to talk a little bit about Southern Rock. Absolutely. You know, this is a large genre. We're not going to be able to touch everything of importance in Southern Rock. Well, I mean, we, you know, you're a child of the 70s. I'm a child of the 80s. So a lot of our Southern Rock love and you know, bands that we listen to are going to be from, from the ages those, yeah. that we were, you know, that we grew up in, you know, there were, there are certain names that are attributed to putting Southern cities on the map, even if they're not considered Southern rock. That's you know, true. Like you think of the little Richard, Fats Domino, Bo sure. Diddley, like you can't call those guys Southern rock, even though 
they brought so influential a light to the South Absolutely. in a big way. In terms and and of- we'll, yeah, we'll have to go into other genres as well. Yeah. I mean, blues and not today, but not yeah. today, <laughs> but we will be going into these later. There's, yeah. you know, the bluegrass, the blues, so much that's yeah. come out of the yeah. South. That's cool. I'm, so is that uh I don't think that was on Netflix. You watched it I through I actually had to watch like, it through Amazon. Okay. Prime. Yeah, I watched it through Amazon. Muscle Shoals. Yeah. Check wow. that out. It's so good. But yeah, so this um one other thing that was really interesting to me was just in in looking at some of these bands that were so influential, just how struck with tragedy they were. Mm. Um, they were, weren't they? Unbelievable. Like the Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner were at the peak of their, you know, well, we don't even know if it was the peak, but they were True. doing so well yeah. when these huge tragedies hit. Yeah. So the Leonard Skinner uh, tragedy would have been an airplane crash. Right. And then Dwayne Allman dies in a motorcycle accident. And then the band's bassist, really wild, they, they go into this in this documentary, dies less than 13 months later, I believe it was like within just a mile or something. Also, no way. Motorcycle? I believe motorcycle, maybe in car, but yeah, just almost freakish how close together in time and in proximity. So these, these bands happen. are like the Kennedys of, of music. This, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So wow. much tragedy. And, and tragedies, not drug overdoses, right. suicides. Um, you know, uh, yeah, this Leonard true accidental was on tour and the plane runs out of gas and crashes after one show before another show. How many people died in that? Oh gosh. You know? I've got, um, all, all these notes here, but it was Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, uh, a backup singer who was Steve's older sister, Cassie Gaines, assistant road manager, Dean Kilpatrick, the pilot, Walter McCreary, the co-pilot, William Gray, were all killed on impact. And then other band members. So I think you named six there. Wow. Other band members, you know, injured. Yeah. I mean, it's it was a huge, huge hit. Wow. In, in there. And that was in the 60s? That was 77. 77. Yeah, they were wow. leaving Greenville, South Carolina after a show and headed to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Wow. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, Allman Brothers, I mean, we could do a whole podcast just on them. Leonard yeah. Skinner could do a whole podcast on them. Uh, I definitely wanted to talk also about Capricorn Records out okay. of Macon, Georgia. Is that um, who they were signed with? So that was an independent record label founded by Phil Walden, Alan Walden, and Frank Finter in 1969. And it was the label for many Southern rock bands in Wh- the 70s, where Allman was Brothers. It? Macon. Macon, Georgia. Macon, Georgia. Okay. So, um, Allman Brothers were on that. Marshall Tucker Band out oh, of yeah. Spartanburg, South Carolina were on that uh, label. Delbert McClinton, Wet Willie, Dobie Gray. I mean, so many different artists. But um, Capricorn was, yeah, definitely a influential part of Southern mm-hmm. rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they had probably... Did they? I mean, did they go on past yes, Southern Rock now? To yes, that was their main others. thing okay. in the seventies. Later, they relaunched in the nineties out of Nashville, 
And their first act that they signed was widespread panic. Okay, which I thought was now, interesting. Now, now we're moving into my college years. <laughs> yes. Out of Athens, Georgia, which also got me thinking, gosh, college towns put out good music. Yes, they do. It's really interesting to yeah. me how yeah. so much good music comes out of college towns. But anyway, uh, yeah, so the, the relaunch of Capricorn, also they signed 311 and Cake, which were also okay. some things that we liked oh, yes. in the, that time, but I don't want to get off of the yeah. Southern Rock category. Yeah. But yeah, interesting, cool. interesting stuff. So I know you loved Leonard Skinner, Almond Brothers. What other ones did you love? Well, another one that was really influential for me and a band I loved was Thirty Eight Special. Okay, yeah, uh, Thirty Eight Special was uh, out of Jacksonville, Florida, and Donnie Van Zant was the younger brother of Ronnie Van Zant from Leonard Skinner. Okay. So they formed a little after Leonard Skinner had been out for a while. Yeah. So after they were, the tragedy. Yes. Right? They yeah. were, um, yeah. And they were just such a great, a great band. Um, I have I want to queue up sound bites for every band know, we mentioned. Like, one, hold on loose. Hold on loosely is, is spinning <laughs> through my head song. right now. I have many high school memories of, uh, riding around and, listening to these songs, but I have one memory in particular that I have to mention that's hilarious to me about, um, 38 special. So for the Nashvillians that remember the municipal auditorium shows of the, this would have have as many shows. Yeah. This would have been circa 1986. I think. Okay. I went to see 38 special, um, with my friend Angie and we were rockers through and through, (laughs) but what is so funny to me is the opener for 38 Special. Who was? That's right. I said opener was Bon Jovi. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and in going to this show, Bon Jovi was filming the video for Dead or Alive. Oh, they were a pretty new band. Okay. And so if you guys remember the Dead or Alive video, it's black and black white. And white. Yep. It's so good. It's like road life. Total road life video. All of the girls singing all the all the lyrics of the songs, holding up their signs. There are a couple of times, if you knew to look for me, I am in that video. <laughs> so that's such a hoot to me that... Um, yeah, my rocking days of the nineteen eighty six spandex and big hair. So much. Yeah. Right after his stretch with his leg up is one of the times <laughs> you can see me John Bon Jovi stretching. So yeah, I'm getting off of uh topic. No, here, that's but the great thing so, about music is touring, getting to see oh bands man. live. I, I never mean, saw the Almond Brothers, but I don't know if any I mean such a great live band. Yeah. Like it's even fun to watch a video of Yeah how good they were live and I mean how many times have you been at a show where free bird was requested and shouted out <laughs> oh yeah it's kind of just that's right something we do here it is an anthem for sure that's what that's a good word a lot of these bands wrote anthems they did. didn't they yes anthem songs um, and um it just brings up even just that little bit of sweet home alabama really Mm -hmm. brought up a lot of memory for me and hearing that little clip. And, you know, Sweet Home Alabama, interestingly enough, was written as a response to Neil Young's song, Southern Man. Oh, really? And so they were not rivals or they didn't hate each other or anything. In fact, I think respected each other a lot. But um, Neil Young kind of, you know, had some... He's a little edgier anyway. Yeah, so so this was their response to that song, Sweet Home Alabama. So anyway, wow. listen to those someday and check that out. But 
just amazing to me, knowing the richness and heritage that came out of that Muscle Shoals was mm-hmm. really fascinating mm-hmm. and how much that's touched so many different genres of music. But um, I also wanted to mention, I think it's so funny, Pandora. I listen to Pandora a lot. Sure. And um, I have a radio, sometimes a radio station that you set up. It's pulling from different genres. Right. But playing a similar it's style. It's trying to get you, if you like such right. and such, you're going to like this Which other. Which is what I like about right. it. So it, yeah. Introduces me to things maybe I wouldn't know. Right. So I have a station that's Chris Stapleton. Okay. And what I love about it is it's pulling some of this old Southern rock of Leonard Skinner, Norman right. Brothers, Marshall Tucker, but you also get the outlaw country sound, right. which has clearly got some of that influence of Southern rock. So Chris Stapleton is considered country but now i think now, he used to be more bluegrass now he's because i mean I, it's funny the way i think about this sometimes if i don't know how to categorize an artist i'm like what award show were they at yeah oh, he was yeah. at so the country, country music awards <laughs> yeah you know yeah um that's true so yeah he but he would definitely fit well within if southern rock was even still a category it's not even a category not. now and i mean you don't hear that Classic rock would be probably where we would would put all of this now. That's true. Um, Because there's not like a Southern rock radio station. Um, It's all classic rock now, but and that makes me sad. Yeah. What other? um, Yeah. So it's funny because on that Chris Stapleton, I get a lot of the Southern rock, but then these outlaw, what they call outlaw country. Right. Is that like a Jason Isbell or yeah Sturgill Simpson? Okay. Funny enough, for I even occasionally will have a Pearl Jam thrown in there, what? which was another favorite band. Totally different sound, but I'm telling you, they pull this stuff, and I, that's what I love about Pandora. How that's true. It does introduce you to people that it's trying to dissuade you to that's like. That's right. That's right. But didn't yeah. you like? Uh, didn't you like driving and crying? I did. They were they were southern. That's true. There's certain southern bands that I do wonder are they. Does that fall Southern, Southern rock? rock? Because they're a rock band and they're in the South? Or, like... Not necessarily. I don't think just because you're from the South, a city in the South, and you're rock, does not make you Southern rock. I think of Southern rock as that heavy electric guitar. Yes. Anthemy. Yeah. Kind of. I have two bands in particular I, I was going to mention that I think fall into the category of, yes, they're from Southern places, but they are not Southern rock, even though they are rock and roll. Tom Petty. Yes. I love Tom Petty. He's from Gainesville. Not Southern Rock. Not Southern Rock. And then, of course, you're very familiar with this band out of a college town, R.E.M. Oh, yeah. Great, but not. Absolutely. They're probably... They, they're even further. They're even, fur- they're even further Petty. than Pearl Jam out of the Southern absolutely. Rock category. Yeah. Um, but, man, I just loved... it. You know, of course, my, my experience is going to be a little out of the 70s and 80s, more 90s and present. But I loved, in college, I loved the North Mississippi All-Stars. Yes. They were very Southern rock. If you don't know them, think Alabama Shakes, But even though Alabama Shakes has a female singer. but And it's funny, too, the word shake is in a lot of North Mississippi All-Star songs. Okay. Like Shake Em On Down was one of their big <laughs> okay. ones um, that my roommates and I would listen to. We, we went and saw them live plenty of times. Um, Drive-By Truckers, oh, loved yeah. them. Yep. Um, Old Crow Medicine Show. I love it, yeah. Um, 
I love driving through the hills of East Tennessee to Old Crow Medicine Show. To Cumberland Gap. Yes. It just feels right. Like if you're driving through Cumberland Gap and you're listening to songs about Cumberland Gap. Or Wagon Wheel, rather. Yeah. Or Wagon Wheel, yeah. yeah. Um, I love listening to Steve Earle when I'm driving. Um, Yeah. So Good driving music. That's true. It's very good driving music, especially in... Open spaces. Appalachia yeah, area, yeah. mountainous areas, um, just so fun. southern terrain. The the last ten years, I would say, have some bands that I really feel like are a few too many degrees away from southern rock for me to consider them southern rock. Okay, but they are lumped together as much as that genre is allowing. So like Band of Horses, yeah. My Morning Jacket, Avit Brothers. Yeah. Um, of course, Jason Isbell, I think I, he would still be Southern Rock. But um, And our dad loves Webb Wilder. Oh, yeah. I've that, seen him, too. That would, yeah. be, that would be Southern Rock for sure. But, um, yeah, what a classic good. You know, another band I loved that had, it's funny, even as I think about uh, Muscle Shoals and the Stones being there and some of that Southern Rock was Black Crows. Black Crows. I How they're kind of like me. the in-between of this Southern Rock and the stuff, like, yeah, that's a really true. Cool they're a very interesting mix, mix of that. And yeah, I loved the Black Crows. In fact, I had this fun little connect with that awesome Shake Your Money Maker, which shake. The, there's that shake word again. Is that a theme for all Maybe. good Southern? Shake it down. <laughs> um, yeah, but that Shake Your Money Maker album, which was fabulous, Phenomenal. by the way. That was that um, their first? First big album. Yeah. And um, their guitarist on that album went to Brentwood High School. His name was Jeff C. Wow. So that was just a fun little, oh That's my gosh, cool. I've been close to, I that, knew him. Yeah, one degree like, away from the fun. Crows. They were, I felt like the Black Crows were on every festival circuit that, yeah, we, yeah. Were, that we would go to yeah. in the 90s. I mean, they were playing, it seemed like every festival, but... Yeah, so um, a fun genre. I mean, we like we we can't go into all the depths of all the great stuff, but y'all check out that movie on Muscle Shoals. Even if Southern Rock isn't your thing, I mean, the people that recorded there: Rod Stewart, uh, Carlos Santana, Glenn Fry, Simon and Garfunkel, Bob Seger, Cat Stevens, Joan Baez. I mean, Bob Dylan. It goes on and on. I wow. Can, yeah, it's it's really really good. Well, you touched on something earlier. I'm going to throw a, a loop for you here just for a minute before we close out this segment. Um, you mentioned, like, the outlaw artists. Oh, yeah. And we've talked before that we need to spend time on a future segment on even what states constitute the South. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's many definitions. <laughs> but did you know, have you ever heard of the genre called red dirt? No. Okay, so Red Dirt would be more out of Texas and Oklahoma. Okay. So that's specifically the music genre. I mean, of course, it's getting... Willie Nelson and... Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings. Jennings. Yeah, so there's even some, I've heard, kind of, you know, division or, you know... Texas with Waylon and Willie. Yes, yes, (laughs) Um, of the Red Dirt genre wanting to keep its you know sanctity and integrity around that um and you know so oklahoma of course isn't southern but texas yeah oftentimes gets looped into the south they're southern they sometimes think they're their own country but they're still southern yeah yeah so um yeah so i think you know gosh yeah there's so many directions with music but it's all fun to talk about and you know each of these, we're, we're not musically sound gifted enough 
to be able to speak to the technicalities, but yeah. like apparently this Texas red dirt sound is so distinct that, you know, <laughs> they should have their own genre, which of course is, is That's what fun. they're going for. But, um, it would be, I guess, more like an indie genre of yeah. rock and roll. Um, that really, it has no other definitive way to describe it. So it has to be called red dirt. So anyway, that's uh fun to reminisce. And of course, lots of these artists, we've had the pleasure of getting to see and some that we haven't that have gone on and too tragically and too early, too tragically too early. Yeah. But, um, you know, old crow medicine show always does a new year's Eve show sells out sometimes too here in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've, they are a fun band. Live. I've never seen them. I've wanted to, I've not seen to go the New to Year's Eve show, but they are fun. Well, they must get, uh, you know, or they must have a fan base that can support that because yeah. the Ryman selling out on New Year's Eve, you know, that says something. It's a small <laughs> feat. So, so in pulling out my Christmas decorations, one of the things I pulled out was this cute little Christmas book that I have called Christmas Joys. Oh, you gave me a copy of that, too. I've got one okay. of those. Well, it's by H. Jackson Brown. He's the guy that wrote that Life's Little Instruction book. Yeah. And so this Christmas Joys is also a small book, just like to set it out in the Christmas season, because it's full of cute ideas um, to just bring you more joy at Christmas. The yeah. book is old enough that some of them are dated now. Yeah. I feel um, like it was popular around the chicken soup for the soul maybe same kind of time frame 90s early 90s anyway just but I still love to look through it and as I was looking through it I jotted down just a few of my favorite ones and I thought we could read those yes these are good okay so bake cookies for firemen or policemen in your neighborhood I love that in fact Thanksgiving the lady that brought our pies my friend Joy she had taken pumpkin pies to the all the fire stations in her town oh, and i thought that cool. was so awesome so that was so good love honoring them in that way another idea was invite a friend who doesn't have a church home to attend a service with you yeah that's a sweet thing to that's do a, a easy way to have something to do with a neighbor too yeah um attend Handel's Messiah. I mean, that'll bring you to your feet. If you want to get in the Christmas spirit, go hear the Hallelujah Chorus live. Yeah. it's A lot of cities or churches will do a yeah. version of it. Check out in your city if that's coming. Uh, um, sending Christmas cards and encouraging notes to military personnel who are overseas. Mm. They don't get to be home. And I think that's a sweet thing we can do. Mm-hmm. On Christmas Eve, read Luke chapter 2 by candlelight. That's mm, cool. Yeah. We just saw, um, Lainey and I went to see Charlie Brown's Christmas so over sweet. the weekend. And it was so sweet. That's that See sweet. a child reading Yes, that. it was a it's, children's production. So yeah. it was even better to hear a child recite Luke too. So innocent. Yeah. Um, I love this one. Turn off the lights, put on Bing Crosby's White Christmas, and ask your spouse to dance. Ooh, I should do that. That sounds fun. Uh, Volunteer with friends and family at a homeless shelter or soup kitchen. Mm. It's very doable. Yes. Shop local. That's a mm-hmm. easy thing to do that really matters yeah. to sewing into your community. You didn't get to do it on shop local or shop Saturday. small business Saturday. <laughs> There's still every other day you can still do it. That's right. Um, write some beautiful cards from Santa to those in the nursing home or those who don't get much mail. Yeah. That's cool. Super That's sweet. very cool. 
Um, order a pizza for a neighbor and tell the delivery person to say it's from Santa. I'm doing that. How cute is that? <laughs> I, have, I know exactly who I'm doing that for. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely doing that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watch It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. We're doing that this year. We're getting people together Love to do that. that movie. Um, if you have friends or family members who've lost someone uh, close to them during the year, make a special effort to call and encourage them for Christmas. That's good. Yeah. And then help an elderly neighbor decorate their home. That's oh, that's good. so good. And it's still early enough to do that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to hang from a ladder and put their Christmas lights up. They may just need some help inside. Right? That's right. That's right. And then I have one other thing I wanted to read Yeah, um, that's really special to me. I got a Christmas card many years ago from my friend Susan Campbell. And um, when I got it, I knew I needed to frame it and read it every year because it really blesses me to, to read this. And so I have this framed and it hangs in my bathroom every year at Christmas for all the guests to read. And many have taken pictures of it. Oh, cool. um, And have told me that they loved it too. So this is what it says. This Christmas, mend a quarrel. Seek out a forgotten friend. Write a love letter. Share some treasure. Give a soft answer. Encourage youth. Keep a promise. Find the time. Forgive an enemy. Listen. Apologize if you were wrong. Think first of someone else. Be kind and gentle. Laugh a little. Laugh a little more. (laughs) Express your gratitude. Gladden the heart of a child. Take pleasure in the beauty and wonder of the earth. Speak your love. Speak it again. Speak it still once again. <laughs> so, yeah, that's I sweet. just think that's a sweet this Christmas. Yep. Yeah. That's thing cool. to think on as we're just stepping into December. Absolutely. So. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Steel Magnolias podcast. If you haven't gotten a chance to subscribe to us through iTunes, I hope you'll do that. Leave us a review there. And we're um, still trying to spread the word about this podcast. So we would love it if you would share it with your share friends. Share with your friends and family. And we hope you'll join us next week as we dive into the various seating arrangements in southern restaurants and we'll also have some time talking about thoughtful gift giving so that'll be good thanks again enjoy your week we'll see you here next time bye